Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A in Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Seen the Lord 
seen the king, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our first reading uh, from Isaiah, we pray. 
Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless our time in your word and help us to learn more about you. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. I read a story from a teacher who teaches first grade uh, talking about an interaction that she had with one of her students on the first day of school. You see, the student uh, had, had the previous year was in kindergarten, and the, at that school, the, 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 the timing was a little bit different. Uh, for kindergarten, they were accustomed to going home a little earlier, around noon. Uh, and so this young boy, Ryan, was getting his things ready <laughs> to, to go home and leave for home when he was actually supposed to be going to lunch with the rest of the class. And the teacher asked him what he was doing, and he said, I'm going home. And she tried to explain that he was in first grade now, that he'd have a longer school day. She said, now Ryan, you're, you're gonna go eat lunch now, and then you're gonna come back to the room, we're gonna do some more work, and then you're gonna go ahead and go home. And she said, Ryan looked at him in a little bit of disbelief, uh, hoping that she was kidding. <laughs> uh, convinced of her seriousness, he sort of put his hands on his hips and demanded, now who on earth signed me up for this program? <laughs> you know. This past week, we finished our 2020-2021 school year, came to a close. On Wednesday mornings, we would have our chapel services for our students. Now, chapel services for kindergarten elementary school students look a little different than our regular weekend worship services. There's a, the order of worship's a little bit shorter. There's an invocation. There's responsive readings. There's some hymns. There's a message. Uh, uh, sometimes there's a drama. Uh, there's a time for prayer and the Lord's Prayer and a closing blessing. In our chapel services, we also use some kind of object lesson, right? Uh, maybe it's a prop or a picture or illustration that tried to connect to a point in the Bible reading uh, that helps sort of drive home the gospel to the children in the chapel service. Now, this weekend, we celebrate Trinity Sunday. For centuries, the church has set aside this Sunday, the Sunday after the celebration of Pentecost, to celebrate and proclaim that biblical truth that God is triune, three persons, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And on this Trinity Sunday, the Sunday after we closed our school year, it works out nicely that our first reading today really contains an object lesson. <laughs> and some vivid pictures about the triune God that we worship. In fact, the reading from Isaiah gives us some lessons or illustrations about the triune God and how appropriate for Trinity Sunday. Isaiah's description focuses on three important characteristics of God. The first lesson we have is about his majesty. And if you were to walk into a courtroom to observe a trial, who is the person you would say is the most important person in the room? I mean, there are a lot of different players in the room, right? But wouldn't you say the judge is the most significant person in the room? I mean, they're, they're, they're the black academic robes that command authority and respect. There's the, the judge presides over the proceedings. The, the judge's gavel brings order to the courtroom. The, the bailiff stands there at the judge's service. The, Judge is seated a little bit higher than uh, the rest of the courtroom, and the judge makes sure the law is followed. Everything speaks to the importance of the judge and their role. And so let's move from that courtroom into the Old Testament temple. 
the prophet Isaiah experiences a vision of the Old Testament temple in our first reading. And there's really no question at all who is the most important person in the temple. In the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and li lifted up or exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. Two, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Well, that scene almost sounds like a courtroom scene, doesn't it? Because there is the Lord, the Almighty, seated high on a throne, vested in a grand robe that filled the temple, angels in his service. And there's even more majesty described in the courtroom scene than the courtroom scene. Uh, for starters, Isaiah uses the Hebrew word for Lord, Adonai, and in verse 1, uh, that emphasizes that power and authority of God. And we can't help that even the holy angels are so humbled being in the presence of God, they cannot even bear to look at him. They have to cover their faces. With faces hidden three times, they call him holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Keep in mind that the Hebrew word for holy in the Old Testament has this idea of something that's, that's set apart, something that's divinely unique. And so putting all these things together, you have this picture of an, an almighty, transcendent, majestic God. And a day like Trinity Sunday might be an occasion where we ask ourselves, well, why? Why observe this kind of occasion? What's the big deal? God's one and three at the same time. Isn't that some kind of dogmatic, uh, doctrinal idea that we deal with? Well, now, if we want to be purely pragmatic, uh, we could come to that conclusion. But Isaiah's vision puts some perspective on the truth about the Trinity, even as it fills us with awe. How can we explain the truth that God is simultaneously three and one? We can't. And so we don't. But the fact is, the fact that we can't wrap our minds around the truth of the triune God should tell us that God is so much greater, so much more majestic than anything we can ever perceive. He's beyond our comprehension, worthy of our praise and awe and reverence and respect by his very essence. That's the first lesson there for us of the Trinity, about his majesty. You know, all that's true, uh, but we'd, be, we'd shortchange ourselves if our discussion about God stopped only at his majesty. Because that majesty is, and our, really our second lesson about the Trinity, is accentuated by his holiness. And the angels, listen to them again. They were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple filled with smoke. I cried, Woe to me, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. How appropriate for Trinity Sunday calling God holy three times, right? As mentioned that, that we're emphasizing that God is set apart, but, but one of the ways he's set apart is that he is holy in really the traditional sense of the word, perfect without sin. And that majestic holiness is underscored by the smoke-filled temple shaking at the very words of the angels. 
Now, Isaiah knew this was more than just smoke and mirrors, right? This was the holy God on his righteous throne. Isaiah, he knew he did not belong there because he declared, woe to me. <laughs> I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. The beginning of our reading mentioned a time in Israel's history, the, king, the, year, the year that the king Uzziah died. Uh, this is when Isaiah served as a prophet. Two things we can say about Israel at that time, and that is that they experienced not only economic prosperity, but also they experienced spiritual poverty. So Isaiah basically lived among a, a nation of fat, happy sinners, right? Uh, and he knew that he wasn't much better. Now, I don't know if we ever mentally stand in awe of God's majesty and holiness. Sometimes we use the phrase, awesome God. It conjures up that image that God, that things are sort of cool and contemporary, and an image that doesn't necessarily capture that the authority and righteousness of Almighty God. We may sing our holies and our hosannas, but, but do we really grasp it? Do we trivialize God to the point that he's just like a good buddy, not the righteous Lord. I mean, if you were going to go meet, the, say, the President of the United States or the Queen of England, Queen of England, uh, how would you prepare? You would come in your best, right? I mean, you really don't think that shorts and, and sweats would be uh, a little inappropriate, right? And yet we come before God each and every day wearing the filth and grime of our sinfulness, we ignore God's will. We replace it with our wants. We, we prefer things like uh, our own glory and ease rather than the, the cross and trial. We treat Satan like he's harmless instead of the roaring lion that he is. We treat temptations as if they're a way to, to live life up, right? Uh, instead of the death trap that they truly are. And while we are merely providing more evidence that we are a people of unclean lips and hearts and lives, we can no more than cry out with Isaiah, woe to me, I'm ruined. So that's our second lesson, God's holiness. The third lesson is really about God's forgiveness. At this point in Isaiah's vision, something else comes to our attention, and that's the altar. This is one of the chief items one would see when, one, when you enter the temple. The altar had those sacrifices burning on it constantly. Those sacrifices looked ahead. Those sacrifices pointed toward the coming Messiah who would do things perfectly. The sacrifice of Jesus fulfilled and brought to an end all sacrifices. And so the altar becomes that focal point. In Isaiah's vision, Isaiah receives a personal object lesson connected to the altar. One of the seraphs, one of the angels, flew over to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Let's think about what the altar meant, right? These continual sacrifices were a symbol of the great sacrifice to come in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so now that picture of the great sacrifice to come is carried to Isaiah and touches his lips, the same lips that he had just called unclean. What's the message? What's the object lesson? 
the coming of that sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the message of the Savior would take his guilt away, remove his sin from the record, and make him one again with God. All the characteristics of God, could there be any greater characteristic than God's forgiving nature? Could there be any greater news for our souls to hear, right? I mean, you and I come before God with unclean lips, unclean hearts, unclean lives. And yet God comes to us in the person of his pure and sinless son, Jesus Christ. Not only becomes one of us, but he even becomes sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The same Jesus comes to you and me now with the very forgiveness accomplished by his death on the cross at Calvary. The word of God touches our hearts with that forgiveness. The, the baptism touches our heads with his cleansing. The supper touches our lips with the very pardon Isaiah received in his vision. And Jesus seals it all with a permanent promise of forgiveness, sealed by this resurrection that has opened the gate of everlasting life. Of all the characteristics of God, including the fact that he's triune, right? Could there be any greater characteristic than God's forgiveness of us? You know, we're observing Trinity Sunday this weekend and observing the end of the 2020-21 school year. There's no question that our kids learned a lot this year. In uh, the last chapel service we had on Thursday morning this week, I talked about how God helped them to grow in their faith throughout the year. And we even had that wonderful sight of God working in the baptism of one of our first graders. It was an awesome sight. They have all learned a lot in their classes. They've learned, they've learned math and, and, and reading and science and social studies. But I pointed out the best thing that they learn is the joy of God's love for them and how his work in us causes us to grow as Christians. The most important lesson we can learn is the lesson of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Trinity Sunday points us to an important truth about God's being, about his characteristics, and so do Isaiah's words in our reading. They speak of God's majesty, they speak of God's holiness, and they speak of God's forgiveness. But even today, the readings uh, about the Trinity ultimately take us to Jesus, right? About the forgiveness that he has won for us, for God so loved the world. The Father sent his Son into time. The Spirit reveals the Son to us today. And there you have the most important truth, the best lesson you could ever learn on Trinity Sunday, that forgiveness and pardon are yours through Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand.
Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.
thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.